0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Yesterday's gains were not held on to. Things got a little bit uglier overnight. Stocks plunge to start another volatile session. The headlines out there are fearful. I saw that a couple Ivy League, well, I guess the Ivy League, canceled their basketball tournament this weekend. And people are like, hmm, a lot of curiosity going on uh, how far will this market sell-off go. Morningstar calls the market sell-off a gross overreaction to a severe but manageable flu. And on the other hand, and again, this is what we're doing right now, Goldman Sachs is saying the bull market will end soon with stocks dropping another 15%. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton to talk about the dueling headlines, the bond market, the stock market. We're going to get it all in the next 10 minutes. How are you, Mr. Burton?
1: Doing well, thanks, Rob. How are you? Good. Uh, your, Your sniffles go away? Just kidding. You're always the first person I talk to. So it's like, you know, I get that, 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 what you call the big boy voice, right?
0: I hear you. Um, speaking of big boy voices, a friend of mine was on a plane last night that featured six people, six people flying from the West East coast to the West coast. Um, you've recently been on a plane. How was the airport, um, session for you?
1: Um, surprisingly full. That was a short flight from uh, Portland to Spokane the other day, but, um, yeah, it's 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 but I've seen other people, you know, post about flights that are very empty. So things are definitely starting to slow down. A lot of uh, events being canceled and mm-hmm. a lot of panic whether it be on social media or anywhere else. So it's just kind of continuing to roll on and and it's, you know, we look at Seattle or places like uh that that are starting to have the virus spread, we probably have another month or two of this before it slows down.
0: So with all this economic activity freezing or being delayed, I've got a sister-in-law in the movie industry, and movies are being pushed out four or five months, and I'm like, we don't need you right now. We don't need promotion. Is it kind of feeling like a recession's on the way?
1: Yeah, I, I don't really see how we're going to avoid one. I mean, when I see some of the, the bigger companies call for like, oh, a 65% chance of recession at kind of the high numbers to me it, okay. just, it 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 feels kind of like what happened um back in near 911 you know a couple years of you and i being in radio where everything just stopped for a while um and then there was a pretty sharp rebound afterwards um, now, there's going to be some stuff that doesn't rebound. And, unfortunately, we're going to see it, it, the, the stuff that is going to suffer is the stuff that can't afford to suffer. So there's a lot of restaurants out there that because of their lease payments, they're barely hanging on on the edge. You know, yeah. Let that be a lesson for people that want to start a restaurant. It's a very difficult business. So going through of, of people not wanting to go out to eat is going to hurt people. And then you get an event that's canceled, and then the hotels don't have people staying in them. They have the less Uber drivers, the, the people that are buying uh, goods around the event to bring home to their kids. That's not going to happen. So, um, a lot of slowdown. I mean, there's, there's going to be some good, I mean, with these low interest rates. We saw in the Northwest, like, a, an amazing highest number ever of, of home sales for home builders, right? Because rates are really, really low. But it's bad mm-hmm. on tourism, canceled events. Um, oil is like a tax cut because gas prices are going to come way down. It's going to cost less to heat your home, but there's going to be some job losses in the oil industry and some credit issues in the oil industry, which is going to affect banks and bonuses and things like that. So we're going to have to live through some pain here, I think, Rob. But then there's stuff that's already on sale, trading as if we're in a full-blown recession. So it means get your shopping list ready, because if you want, we can go through a couple of these types of corrections, and I can tell you where the market was 12 months after the end of it
0: we're talking you're talking correction now should we be talking recession or do you want to stay in the realm of correction because I think we're down 17 percent right now and I think the last one was like 19 percent um, yeah we had, um, should we talk about that or too soon
1: yeah I mean well for me like the trade war issue the October to December 24th of 2018 the market was down 19.6 percent. The small caps were down over 25%, and they're still down... I mean, small caps are down even more than that from their all-time high. But 12 months after that ended, the market was up 37%. Um, If we look back at 2011, and and see, we had such a run and such low volatility for a couple of years, people forget about these events and how they occur. Um, If you remember back in 2011, in March, the U.S. credit was downgraded in March of 2011. And we had a 19% correction Um, It lasted seven months, and it ended on October of 2011. And 12 months later, the market was up 32%. So if we want to look at... um, Everybody knows the financial crisis. From October of 2007 to March of 2009, the market was down 56.8%. That was a credit crisis. Systemic risk from banks that were spread around the world... And then 12 months after that ended, the market was up 68%. If we look at a true recession, the last true kind of recession that we had, which mm-hmm. started March of the year 2000 and ended October of 2002, during that period, the market was down 49%. But 12 months later, after that one ended, the market was up thirty three almost 34%. So you go through these periods of anywhere from three months to a couple of years of of kind of pain sometimes. But then the bargains are created for you to get into for the next 10 years. And so you need to have your shopping list ready. And some of the stuff that's totally on sale already, I will still maintain this, is some of the small cap stuff and the mid cap stuff. It got sold off extremely quickly. So you can just look at any small cap value ETF mid cap value ETF, and even if there's a little bit more downside from here 10 years from now, if you buy it and reinvest dividends, you're going to be pretty happy, in my opinion.
0: So I think you just said the 2000-2002 recession basically brought the market down 47%, and that's a crazy big number even in recessions, mm-hmm. and we're down 17%. So maybe we're somewhere from, we already got 17% of it out of the way, maybe we, another 10 20%. Or what are your thoughts? Uh,
1: I, I don't know. Um, the okay. you just it depends on how quickly the virus goes away. Um, this yep. is the first kind of virus that we've had, along with a massive use of social media. So if you look at anybody posting stuff about books that have predicted this back, you know, twenty years ago, <laughs> I didn't see that because the coronavirus, the forms, of the coronavirus has been around forever. This is just a new strain of it. So people are kind of just freaking out a little bit um, and it is tough because it's a human tragedy, and we're going to lose more people that have immune system issues and that are older um, and it's going to be sad so you can't you yeah. know, dumb it down too much but it will go away
0: well, my mother-in-law is elderly and she's definitely not healthy and she's going to movies i'm like she's going to bring down the father-in-law kind of thing which We're laughing about it, but there is a real risk to elderly people. Real quick, um, thoughts on bond rates because they seem to have been the thing that was screaming at me last week that there's a problem.
1: Well, yeah, and and again, I think before this is over, because of the issue, the chances for recession with when it was just the virus, um, you know, that was there obviously. But you you add the collapse of oil on top of that. that's, that's a huge industry, right? And there's jobs that are tied to that, um, and there's a lot of credit issues that are tied to that. So I think before this bottoms, you're going to have to shake some of those credit issues out. But again, it's not like you sell everything and go to cash. You, you actually just try to rebalance your portfolio. If you've got a balanced portfolio, you should have some bonds and cash. And when that stuff shakes out, sell some bonds and buy stocks and rebalance your portfolio.
0: Thanks very much. Chad covered a lot of this on his podcast today. You can get that at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. So the best person to consult during a recession is the elderly people or a potential recession coming up or a volatile market is the right way of saying this. Let me correct it. Warren Buffett talked about Monday's pullback, and he said, ah, that was nothing. You should have seen 2008 or 1987. I love Warren Buffett at times like these. Let's bring back CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Like I mentioned, a lot of the topics we're talking about, he hit pretty hard in his podcast today. You can find that at newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, when we last left off, we were talking about bond rates and alarming uh, they're sending a signal. What else do we need to know right now that's going through your mind? If we could pick Warren Buffett's mind, we could pick CFB Chad Burton's mind.
1: Well, Warren Buffett is—you know—the the bond environment hasn't been typically good to to his holdings, right? Wells Fargo, anything financial related, is going to have a tougher time making some money. You're going to have a lot of loan growth here in the short term, but when rates are really low, a bank takes deposits, they lend it out, and the difference in those rates is that an interest margin, and in those the, the difference is very, very low. And so, a lot of people are looking for alternative places to put their cash, like online FDIC-insured banks. Um, so there's going to there, you know, could be a slowdown in deposits, and and you got to get a diversified financial um, out there that's not just making money on that. So it's going to be real tough, Rob, on these smaller regional banks, unfortunately, with these low rates, um, and that could slow down the eventual, you know, amount of money in the market. Um, small businesses to borrow money to continue to expand. So we, hopefully we don't kind of get to that point. But when bond rates are that low, that, that is an issue. And it's not just because we're kind of overdue for a recession. It's because of a global environment. When you have low to negative rates in Germany, where you, you're basically paying to have the government hold your bonds not too long ago, Um, If our rates are too high in the U.S., a lot of money flows out of overseas markets into the U.S. dollar, parks itself in treasuries, the the bond prices go up and rates go down. So that's one reason why um, Trump doesn't want rates high, is because we don't want that money flowing into the U.S. dollar. It makes our goods more expensive for the rest of the world, and it can slow us down. So it's a competitive global issue. That's why rates are going to be low for some time here. Now, as soon as this virus stuff goes away and, uh, you know, we get out of whether or not we're going to have a recession or not, and, and, you know, we could have a pretty decent pop-in rates, so take Mm -hmm. the time now to definitely look at refinancing mortgages, strategizing on your debt. Like, I've been hammering on radio, if you're, you know, maybe you're 10 years into a 30-year mortgage, who knows, you might be able to refinance to a 15-year at at a, the same or lower payment, knock some years off your mortgage and get yourself ready for retirement. Or if you're 40 and you happen to be conservative and you owned a lot of bonds and your bonds are way up in value, maybe you're the person that goes out and buy rental properties that are positive cash flow on a you know 15 to 30-year mortgage um, and have something that's paid off, kicking off way more income than probably a bond is going to pay for you. So it, it's uh different strategies based on are you trying to accumulate wealth and and maximize the use of your dollar or are you on track to retire, simplify your life, have less cash flow requirements like a mortgage, pay off your rental properties, things like that. It kind of just depends on where you are in life. So this too
0: shall pass and when it passes, we don't know if it's going to be one day or one month or six months or one year or whatever. I'm not going to get into the whole math of it. But we saw oil drop, Chad, and... It's, it's not lost on me that it's a big corporations get a big cut there. You and I get a big cut in gas costs to the tune of $725 billion. There's a lot of stimulus on the other side of this problem. Um, fiscal stimulus is likely coming. The president may give me a $1,000 check kind of thing. Uh, do you feel confident the stock market comes back and do you feel the bond market has that same health to it that the stock market typically has shown of snapback? Cause I don't think Japan's interest rates have gone that much further or higher in the last 20 years and their banks have stunk for 20 years.
1: Yeah. Well, their demographics stink as well. I mean, they don't really have That's a young point. population like we have. So yeah, we've got the, you know, 10,000 making kids, Chad, keep making kids. <laughs> Four is enough. I'm done. Don't don't put More. the pressure on me. Um, Back to the boomers. So, yeah, we've got the we've got the baby boomers that we got. A, the millennial population is supposedly bigger, and that's great demographics for us. Um, the I think the the overall besides the credit issues that are going to occur in the oil industry, which could be offset and may not happen because of government bailout, Rob. Um, besides that, the credit market is relatively healthy um, when you look at corporate balance sheets and the amount of cash that they have and how much they deleveraged since the Great Recession. Um, so I'm not worried about too much of the health of the normal bond market in the long run. It's more of the issue of it's making retirement more expensive because it's paying you less income, which means you need to have more money saved for retirement and or go a little bit more aggressive since stocks are paying more like you know you get when the S&P 500 is paying more than double what the 10-year treasury is and some small cap value and mid cap values are paying triple what the 10-year treasury is some people are like all right i get it as long as i have enough cash and i don't have to sell on these short term declines like we're seeing now i can get dividends from these ETFs and mutual funds that are higher than my bond funds, it'll be more volatile, but I don't care because when I look out 10 years, the chart's always going from the bottom left to the top right, and people forget about those short term blips. So that's why one of the reasons when I got into the business 25 years ago, the traditional retirement portfolio was, you know, 40 or 50% stocks, the rest in bonds, and now it's totally the reverse, and it might be even more so because bond rates are so low. So and as you go forward, if you go more aggressive in retirement, you have to be more active on the positive years by peeling off gains and replenishing the cash that you've spent. And just being able to sit and say, okay, yeah, stocks tend to average 10, 11% over my lifetime, but we go through these periods of six to months to two years where the market declines pretty significantly. I feel some pain, but I'm still collecting dividends, so I'm going to be okay.
0: Sounds good. Have a good day, Chad. I know your phone will be ringing. Um, Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. People can hear your podcast. It was an excellent podcast this morning. A whole hour of him talking specific issues tied towards this. You can get it at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Take the emotion out find some smart people like Warren Buffett and listen to what they have to say. But yeah, it's getting kind of sticky out there. So I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. This is a great song. You two talking about loving his children, saying that they their best part about him. Just one happy thought before we bring on Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. Let's talk doom and gloom right now, Mr. O'Hare. Hey, Rob, how are you? (laughs) Good. I know you have a family as well, and uh, kids are the best, but right now we're focused on keeping our kids safe. People are nervous. Tournaments are getting canceled. I'm getting emails from soccer coaches about, you know, no high fives, things like that. Um, It's it's bled into our stock market. Uh, How do you feel about what's going on?
2: Yeah, you know, I can I can relate on uh, all fronts there, as you just communicated, but uh, it certainly has bled into the stock market, and, you know, this, is, I think, was always the the risk, even from the onset of the uh, coronavirus in China, when it was taking off there, you know, the risk is that it would ultimately make its way to, uh, well, outside of China, but in particular to the world's largest economy, that being the United States. And it has been the U.S. consumer that has continued to fuel the relative strength of the U.S. economy and it continues to support the global economy. So as soon as you inject some factor in there that might uh, you know, lead the U.S. consumer to uh, pull back on their discretionary spending uh, and U.S. businesses to pull back on their capital expenditure plans, uh, you automatically, you know, it inject then a lot of uh, potential disappointments as it relates to not only the economic growth outlook but the earnings growth outlook. And so you had a market trading at a premium. Valuation that was predicated on companies growing into those uh, high multiples with strong earnings growth in 2020, which quite clearly is not going to uh, pan out. And so, you've had a, I'd say, a, you know, a natural. Uh, uh, reaction and that being a, um, a you know multiple compression here, but the I think the, the the most jarring thing of course is how quickly uh things have corrected and uh, and right now there's not a real good sense any anyway that this is about to end um, very soon
0: so I don't know where to go with this one um oil obviously getting hit. And banks getting hit. Banks on the lower interest rates, oil stocks, uh, the big companies are getting hit, the Exxon's, the Chevron's, the Marathon's. But for you and me, that's going to be a plus because it's going to be about $800 billion plus in stimulus money um, down the road. But that's kind of like down the road and we're talking about right now. Um, I don't know where to go with that comment other than to say the banks are getting hit hard, oil's getting hit hard, multiple compression in tech companies, but not as hard as oil and banks. Is there any light you're seeing in this, or is this just pretty widespread?
2: Well, you know, things are, are not only widespread, but it's just pretty opaque right now, Rob. I mean, when you look at the, um, you know, the issue with the banks, uh, I think what's what's kind of, you know, maybe not being uh, talked about enough right now, as everyone seems to be focused on the, the decline in the stock market, is that this could potentially start Um, you know, blowing up into a debt issue. And and I don't mean so much government debt, I mean corporate debt, right? So if you have, uh, you know, uh, significant earnings declines uh, and uh, cash flow that's restricted, if not negative, you know, companies that are highly levered have a, a, a more... Challenging uh, situations as it relates to uh, debt repayment capabilities, and I think that you know what we 're seeing here in, in the last week or so is the the market starting to tune into that uh, concern um, because when you get a credit disruption, um, you know that has a much wider impact on the broader economy even than just a you know stock market sell off you know when you stop to consider that what roughly about fifty percent of um, U.S. Uh, uh, people have have exposure to the stock market, whereas you know everyone has exposure you know to to the economy, and so you don't want to see a credit disruption um, you know really take off here because that uh, that's what leads you into a, a deeper and longer lasting recession. Mm-hmm.
0: Good stuff. Um, What are we looking for to show that we've put in a short-term bottom or that it might be safe to start nibbling? Are we looking for Buffett to buy a company? Are we looking for a company to implode like a Lehman Brothers or a Bear Stearns? Is there anything, the volatility index calmed down or do we want to see it spike a little bit more? I saw bullish investors around 40%. We need them probably down to 20%. What are you looking for? What are some of your signs?
1: Yeah,
2: um, well, you know, kind of some of those things you talk about as it relates to sentiment, you know, this, this become more, I think, uh, you know, tradable bottoms, if you will. So, you okay. know, short-term, short-term indicators. So when you get a washout and bullish sentiment, and as you allude to, you know, something in the neighborhood of 20% readings, um, then, you, then you, you know, have some, uh, confidence, I guess, to think that you might get a nice short-sweet, you know, rally. Um but, you know, again, you have to be very nimble in an environment like that. Um, you know, we'd said many times, I think, on your program, as the bull market was continuing without much interruption, that you know, stocks can stay overbought for an extended period of time. But by the same token, they can stay oversold for an extended period of time. And we're we're really just now starting to hear, you know, companies uh, in in larger numbers now uh, either issue warnings, if not pull their earnings guidance altogether for the year, and so. So that creates a great deal of uncertainty, because you just don't know how to model where earnings are going. And so, you know, there's still more shoes to drop, I think, as it relates to uh, this current market condition that, that we're in. Uh, before you can feel better about there being a, you know, a strong bottom in place, um, you need to see, you know, uh, those earnings estimates by analysts really come down significantly. They've hardly come down at all, believe it or not. I think we're down about 1% on the forward 12-month EPS estimate from the end of the year. And those are going to be cut sharply here in coming weeks. Uh, and when those cuts happen and you hear companies warn, but they don't go down anymore on those warnings, that's another you know, indication perhaps that, that the worst of those uh, expected downward revisions have already been accounted for in the stock prices.
0: I saw something kind of interesting, that in 2019, the stock averages all average daily moves of less than 1%. Over the last trading days, the average price change has been well above 3%. So anyone who's been in the market for like a year or two, a lot of the Robinhood investors, a lot of the free Schwab accounts, things like that, they've never seen this. And um, it must be pretty jarring. And that's probably a good thing and a bad thing to shake some people out. And that's what I'm telling my friends is like we were at all-time highs for like 52 weeks in a row, it felt like, every single day. So this is kind of good, but it's also kind of unsettling. Um, What else do you want to talk about here? Because you have some stuff in your head that I can't even figure out.
2: <laughs> well, well, I would add to that thought, Rob. You know, as you sit sure. here and you look at what happened on Monday, where you had the S and P five hundred go down uh, what seven point four percent, right? It's probably a scary day, you know, for a lot of people. I mean, it was definitely unnerving, you know, to see things unfold that way. Um, but going back to uh, basically the Great Depression, that I think that was the nineteenth, you know, and I emphasize nineteenth largest uh, percentage decline in, in market history. So what I'm driving is the theory you know 18 others that were even bigger than that and yet you know a month or so ago we were sitting at all-time highs so the so you know the market gets itself figured out you know earnings growth will return uh things will eventually you know settle down for in long-term patient-minded investors will continue to do well being invested in stocks uh but You know, one has to really be in tune with their risk tolerance and their time horizon right now because things could be a little bit dicey here as we roll through 2020. So some advice that you might give to someone who's, you know, on the Robinhood platform today would be entirely different for someone who, say, you know, might be looking at trying to retire, um, you know, six months from now. So you just have to be cognizant of that, but... You know, at the end of the day, you know, market history does demonstrate that stocks are a great wealth-generating machine, uh, but you do have to be patient.
0: Sounds good. Is there anything that you're starting to put together for the the Friday piece? Um, for instance, I know you do a lot of work with jobs and uh, a lot of economic data, and you kind of put it in perspective. We're not really at the changing of the economic data yet. This is so fresh.
2: Well, again, and that goes back to the earlier point Rose, there's a lot of uncertainty and you haven't really seen uh, the the true impact of the coronavirus slowdown, you know, uh, in the data yet. You know, you're going to in coming weeks and months. So you just don't know how bad it's going to look. And and so right now it's kind of, you know, an expectation that you're, you know, you're going to see the worst and you know people are selling first and asking Mm -hmm. questions later so that's definitely you know something to be watchful of and how the market reacts to that bad data Um, Mm -hmm. so be keeping an eye out for that but yeah I'm gonna be looking at also kind of just this whole issue of you know valuation Um, you've seen the stock market come down sharply um, but you haven't seen earnings estimates get cut uh, significantly yet and uh, you know maybe evaluating here you know, what does look to be you know, a good buyable uh, point for the long-term investor uh, when you start to factor in the possibility that you see you know, 15 20%, 30% declines in earnings estimates from here.
0: Thanks for joining me. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Good guy, smart guy. Briefing does a great job of perspective on world events, on domestic events. They're doing a nice job. Patrick is just one of the many voices there. I highly recommend people check out briefing.com. Having information in a down market is more reassuring, in my opinion. So not trying to freak anyone out, but uh, we're playing with correction. Now we're starting to play with their market. So if you take a look at the numbers, it's not that far. The recent stock market volatility is unlike a lot of stuff we've seen before. The Dow's down 17.9% below its all-time high set last month. It's last month. That was a fall, fast fall. The fast in the fall. The S&P 500 down 17.5% below its record. So we're pretty close to a bear market, and that's a good thing. Because then you'll have a t-shirt that says, I survived the 2020 bear market, and all I got is this stupid T-shirt. Just stay alive to get that shirt if you can. (laughs) I'm Rob Black. Tried to cheer you up a little bit. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Windy by stocks. And by the way, this is called funeral porn. Uh, funeral pop, the music. Oh God, it's called funeral pop. Shovels and dirt, shovels and dirt. It's kind of a pro pro if you think about it for this time right now. So, kind of what you're looking for if you're looking for the stock market to like be where we need it to be, you're looking for a whoosh. It's okay to wait for more information, but it's also okay to take some off risk off the table if you're sitting on gains. The buzz right now is you're you're starting to see like the virus starting to hit everyone, and we're starting to understand it. Um, Anheuser Busch Bev down seven and a half percent today. They're saying the virus is going to cut 170 million in profit so far this year. That's a lot of money. Microsoft warned. So if Microsoft and Budweiser are both warning, that's telling you that's pervasive, right? Um, Random joke. Hey, honey, go buy me a six-pack of beer. But no corona. Uh Uh Too soon, right? So you're waiting for a big whoosh down. You're waiting for... Uh, you're waiting for more companies to come out and warn. Then you're waiting for a turn where companies are you're starting to see the baseline infections drop. But you also need to understand how long bear markets last. Let's just play with the concept we're going to get into a bear market. Let's just say a 10% correction could turn into a 20% bear market pretty easily. That's where I would start feeling more comfortable buying stocks. As the market goes lower, I feel more and more comfortable. I don't feel I feel when the 10year treasury is where it is right now, one, two five, one, two, six, one under let's just say under one5. When it's under there, it's it's almost too raw. Um, I have a friend who has something stuck in her intestines right now. And when it moves, it's going to move, but it's not going to move until it moves. And she's doing all these like crazy uh, magnesium drinks and it's trying to loosen stuff up and everything's raw down there right now. So she's like, her doctor's like, come in tomorrow. She goes, how about the next day? Cause I need it to all settle down a bit. We're not settled down yet. It's too early. It's too early. There have been 26 market corrections since World War II, with an average decline of about 13.7%. Okay, we're down 10% roughly. The average market decline since World War II, the average market correction, is 13.7%. That doesn't sound so bad. Recoveries have taken four months on average. Oh, I'll be dead before we hit all-time high. No, it'll be four months on average. The most recent correction occurred from September 2018 to December 2018. Where were you two Christmases ago? You were in a correction. If the S&P 500 closes below 3,047, it will be the fastest 10% decline from an all-time high. In the index's history, that's not that surprising to me. If you knew how many algorithms are running, buying, selling, and everything on the Wall Street right now, the speed is obnoxious. A correction is defined as a ten percent decline in one of the major indices, whether it be the S P, the Dow, from its fifty-two-week high. History shows that corrections last another 3% and take about four months to recover on average. So 13%. And then they're backed four months later. That's if, if, if we don't fall into a bear market. Now, a bear correction is 10% off its recent highs. A bear market is 20% from a high. If we go down 20%, that's when we start getting into more interesting numbers. The Dow and the S&P 500 um, are struggling today. They're struggling this week. It's been pretty rough. The 12 bear markets since World War II have averaged a decline of 30% over 14 months and have taken 24 months to recover. Okay, so if we just do a correction, we should be back to where we want to be in about four months. 10% correction tends to get to down about 13%. And then four months later, we've recovered. Now, bear market, we've had 12 of those since World War II. You can go back to May 1946, June 1948, August 1956. And these were all markets that were down 20 25%. Then there was a big one in January of 73 where we went down 45%. And October 2007 where we went down about 55%. And it just took 24 months to recover, but they lasted 14 months now. So if, if, if we go into a bear market, where are we right now? We're about a month in, so maybe you have about 13 more months of this sucks. Or if it's just a correction, it's not that bad. A correction will be much faster for you to recover from, Right. Again, we've had 26 corrections since World War Two of 10%. And they averaged about 13.7% from highs. It takes about four months to recover. Now, we've had 20%, a decline of 30%, 12 times. Um, so that 20%, 30%, it, it, it feels horrible. It's a whoosh down. But if I told you on historic average where we've recovered in 24 months, you'd be like... So everything I'm buying that's 30% off will be recovered in 24 months? Isn't that a good thing? Like, isn't that potentially a 30% gain in two years? It's not quite that simple. And bear markets average about 14 and a half months. That's not horrible. Okay, so now you know how bad it can get in historical terms. And the market's seen much, much worse than coronavirus,
2: like World War One, World War II, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com.